Welcome to Leverage Masters, airing weekly on Tuesdays at 12 Eastern and on demand on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Leverage Masters hosts Jack Humphrey and Gina Gaudio Graves discuss leverage strategy with guest leveragists. Be sure to subscribe to Leverage Masters in your favorite podcatcher for great tips and case studies on using leverage to achieve your biggest goals much faster. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Leverage Masters. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Graves, and along with my co-host, Jack Humphrey, we are the co-founders of TheLeveragist.com and Divisio.com, that's D-U-V-I-S-I-O.com, the all-new affiliate network and ultimate leveraging platform. We have got a great show lined up for you guys today. It's one I have been so looking forward to for weeks now. Jack, you are going to love our guest today. I've been talking to you about her for, I don't know, around a month now. Do you remember all those great things I've said about Phyllis Smith? Yeah. What a buildup, huh? No pressure, Phyllis. No pressure. (laughs) Yeah, it's been great. So, uh, yeah, so today, well, we have somebody named Phyllis on. You've probably been able to decipher that. And her name, her full name is Phyllis Smith, and she has over 30 years of proven experience as a corporate sales and marketing executive. She's currently the CEO of Azia Enterprises, a digital marketing and consulting firm headquartered in Pennsylvania. And she's the founder of the Professional Women's Business Network and a host, producer of two radio talk shows, The Scoop and The Executive View, as well as a much sought-after professional keynote and motivational speaker. And yes, Phyllis, Gina's told me lots about you. I cannot wait to talk to you today. Welcome to Leverage Masters. Thanks so much. Um, It's exciting to be on your show instead of hosting one. Isn't it nice? You just get to sit back and answer questions. You don't have to push things or turn dials or anything. Well, I never do that, but anyway, I get it. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) You don't don't have to kick the machine and get it started. (laughs) And Jack, our guest last week came courtesy of Phyllis as well. Yes, I like how you prep us. You get a guest going (laughs) ahead of time and... Yes, this was very well done. And we had a lot of fun last week, too. So well, we'll have to start yeah. you off like all, we have to start you off like everyone, mere mortals uh, that come to the show every week, and that is with the, the one burning thing that gets you out of bed in the morning. What is it that you are most excited about right now, business, personal, whatever? You know, I work with so many amazing people, and I'm a true believer in knowledge. Uh, gathering. And I spend a lot of time in the morning while I'm having my coffee, because I have to have coffee to wake up in the morning. And I have the opportunity to really scope the internet and see what everyone's talking about. You know, we're, we're in a very fast moving world right now. And if you don't stay on top of things, you certainly can't be at the top of your game in your business. And as a consultant to many businesses, it's my job to guide them with the nuances of what's happening with their competition. And you talk about leveraging business. Basically, you can't be a leverager unless you have the knowledge. 
So that's what I wake up and do. I actually have been doing this for years. I mean, working uh, in the communications industry for many years, we had to learn things extremely fast. And working with a lot of clients, I had to understand what was going on with their industries. So I've had the fortunate opportunity to work with many different vertical markets and industries in the past. And it gives you a clear understanding that everybody's different. However, we all do business the same. At least most companies do. Those that want to make any money, is that correct, guys? I think, yeah, I think making money is uh, is uh, a good thing. Those that want to. <laughs> I don't know why anybody would be in business otherwise. Well, but There I are a, a lot of people line. who are in business that don't make money, though. <laughs> That's true, but I have a line for people. Um, I'm not in it for love. I'm in it for money. Otherwise, I'd be <laughs> sitting on a beach somewhere doing nothing. Yeah, yeah. Well, you brought up something early, you know, just getting up and seeing what's going on, the lay of the land, so to speak, uh, for business. What does that look like for you? Because, you know, it's not social media, or is it? I mean, what what is it that you look at to assess, uh, you know, the situation for clients and uh, and people that you're working with? Well, I, I'm actually uh, subscribed to several blogs that are relative to the business that I delve in every day. And it's very important that you listen to experts in your own industry because they always bring great ideas or they um, provide you with knowledge that you don't have or they give you some type of direction or they provide you with new ways to incorporate new skills to for your customers or even avenues and of uh, profitable avenues to market their business. And um, it's always very interesting, not only the subscriptions, and they could be to like Forbes Business Magazine. Sometimes I go on Yahoo Business to see what's going on with the public companies, who's making money right now. Uh, They're always great prospects. Um, And then there's other times I just look for conversation. I want to see what people are talking about. Coming from the technology world, I look at a lot of tech sites, um, especially like blog sites to see what everyone is doing. I personally have three blogs uh, where I curate content for three different areas, and I then share it with my own network. And I have a very large network because I have eight Facebook pages, and I have three LinkedIn pages, and I have several Twitter pages, and I use those tools to – share knowledge. And if anyone asks me what I do, I basically connect people or companies and I share knowledge. And I think that's the crux of any successful business is to learn from others. So I'm out there looking for pieces to be able to share. Awesome. So another lightning rod among us. Now now I'm starting (laughs) to piece together even more of why Gina likes you so much. Uh, because you've certainly described a lot of what she does as well <laughs> and does it very well. So, yeah. Jean is awesome. an awesome well, lady. She really is. She's an awesome lady. She knows a lot of people. And if I have any comment about success, it's really how many people do you have in your pocket to call upon to help you with your business? And I'm a collector of people in my pocket, if that makes any sense. Yeah. 
It totally does. And for our listeners who have been keeping up this year, I mean, you can start to see a pattern forming, <laughs> I'm sure. And, uh, and, and, yeah, I mean, there is an awful lot of power in the ability to look at, you know, there's different angles that you can, you can, you know, perch yourself and, and take a, take a look at life and business and everything. Uh, and we have this recurring theme here where we, we meet with a lot of connectors a lot of people who it's really strange it's like you're you're in the system but you're outside the system you have a perspective that other people with their heads down looking straight at their problem with focus working on their business working on their things just don't see and and uh just because they can't and maybe that's where they need to be right now which is one of the reasons that people like you are so valuable to them is that you know somebody has to be able to tell me where this thing's going i've got to keep working here what i'm doing you know or at least they think they have to do that in any regard they are and they've got their head down and you've got your head up and gina and and other people like you guys are 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 the ones who come in and say hey did you know there's this thing over here no had no idea how do you keep up on this stuff and then you give much like the introduction that you just did <laughs> to describe how you keep in the know. It's a really powerful thing. It's strange to me that more business owners don't incorporate at least a little bit of that in their in their daily, in their you know, in in their business plan. It, you know, it's a lot of people like you, and then a lot of people who are really, really working on their focus and going and. It's weird that you don't see a lot more blending of those two ideals to me. There are some people who find it difficult to multitask. Uh, there's others that find it difficult to really focus on anything but their business because their business is so demanding. In my world, hmm. I envision too many things, and I keep vis visualizing what can be. And I have that opportunity to do that, or I visualize who I want to work with. I do a lot of professional speaking, and, you know, finding the right space for yourself is sometimes difficult when you truly don't understand your capabilities or the opportunities that present themselves because you're so focused in on doing the daily business that you do not have the mindset to even look beyond that, as you just mentioned. And it helps sometimes, and I'm not saying this because I'm pointing people out to get a coach or a consultant, but sometimes it's great to be able to bounce ideas off of someone on the outside to give you a clear vision of where you could possibly go to or where you can be more productive. And Maybe you don't have that skill set. Perhaps you're very good at what you do. I'll, I'll give you an example. A lawyer goes to school and spends many, many years preparing to provide legal support for companies or individuals. However, they are not experts in marketing themselves, many of whom fail because they don't know how to acquire clients. They never learn that. It's something they should teach in college, but they don't. Of how to have the right social skills or the networking skills to go out and find customers. A CPA, same thing. They're so focused in on what they have to do. And it's a very difficult job to crunch numbers for people all day long. They're very intelligent people. 
and, and all power to them to be able to stick their nose in a book and just do numbers all day. But that's what they wanted to do. And then there's the others who hide behind others because they really hate talking to people. And I find that really interesting because how do you run a business if you don't know how to communicate? So they rely on outside people to really communicate for them. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's why there's marketing companies and advertising companies and coaches and consultants and speakers and everything else that we know. Those people are able to go out there and talk on their behalf and train them or do whatever they need. But you're not going to see that in every single person. I know a lot of people that are afraid to even open their mouth up. And that's fine. It's great yeah. what they do as long as they know where to get the resources they need. Yeah. Well, and that's why, I mean, one of the things that I've heard for years is, you know, stories about uh, Gina connecting so-and-so and so-and-so and something really wonderful coming from that. You know, lots of sales, a bit, uh, you know, growth in the business, uh, connections to other people, other resources that were needed from very, very appreciative people, I think probably fall somewhere in line with what you just described, that they're doing their thing and they're good at what that is and they don't, um, they don't probably even have the desire to be like Gina in any significant way, especially after they've found someone like that. Then they know that they don't have to. They can stay good at what they want, stay in their part where they're very comfortable in their pocket and you know, if they need to reach out, they at least know one person who's really connected and who, you know, can give them that perspective that you were talking about, that outside the third-party perspective, not right down in the trenches perspective. So, yeah, I mean, heck, that's really just business consulting, you know, in a box, right? I mean, that's, that's pretty much the definition of why business, really good business consultants are really good and very, very helpful to businesses, isn't it? Well, there's a lot of phony people out there. I hate to use that term, but it's true. There's a lot of people who pretend to be business consultants. They suddenly decided to right. put a little plaque out there, and they have limited experience. I love the people that have five years' business experience and decide to be a consultant. You know, I... I, I don't have a lot of respect for them because where have they been successful for numerous years and learned a lot from others? Um, right. I'm very cautious of some of the consultants that are out there, the coaches that bought a, they bought a certificate online to be a coach. You know, it takes a special a person that said you should make a bunch of money being a coach. And then all of a sudden, yeah. and, and I've, I've seen some of those courses too, and they're really quite a few of them. And there are an awful lot of people out there who have been through them and they were instructed in the co courses to just how to, you know, kind of gloss over what you say is so important so that people won't think about it or bring it up and you can still be a high-end consultant or a high-end coaching. And there's a little army of those people out there now due to those courses that are so prevalent out there. But, uh, but good coaches, really good consultants, uh, the ones that, you know, like you that are experienced, really truly experienced, your role is, is not to be understated. And, you know, and I think a lot of people who are actually calling themselves what you are have no idea what they are calling themselves or what it even means to be really what you do. 
to be that person, to really, you know, be that. They've just been told that they need to be that because that's how you get, you know, really high-end clients. That's the only way you're going to get somebody to pay you big bucks is if you at least pretend that you are worth that money, and here's how you pretend to do that. It is kind well, of Well, I, I want to simplify that a little bit. No, I want to simplify it. Uh, somebody told them in their little ear there that if you write a book, you can be an expert. Mm-hmm. And 70% of them have a ghostwriter write their book because they don't have the knowledge nor do they know how to write. You know, and people always say to me, how come you didn't write a book yet? And I said, because I just don't have enough knowledge yet. I'm not ready to share what mm-hmm. I have. Uh, when I'm ready to do that, it might be a life book as opposed to a business book. And it's how to survive in this world. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's all about business because our life gets in the way. And I find a lot of people that are juggling between the two. And they find it very, very difficult to, or challenging, to really be successful at both ends. Yeah. And it's a shame. It really is. And I'm one of those people. I actually was a workaholic for many, many years. And I, you know, I traveled, I worked very hard, I worked in corporate America, and I thought that that was the end all for my career. I was going to move all the way up to the top, and and then I got downsized six times in a 10-year period. Oof. And I learned that life isn't that easy, but I managed to survive because I have survival skills. But there are people out there that become destroyed, and they get downsized the first time. And they're like, how could somebody do that to me? I'm such a hard worker. I'm so good at what I do. I'm really intelligent. Well, the company doesn't care, really, actually. You know, life gets in the way. And life for companies could be they ran out of money. Or the stockholders Mm -hmm. want them to reduce the number of employees and payroll. So, you know, you start to learn why, yes, you're a valuable person, but there's some companies that don't value their employees. And then they wonder why these the younger generations are – flitting off to different jobs. Well, they don't really care because the loyalty factor doesn't belong there with them. There's older companies out there, and let's talk about the generations today, generational sales. You need to understand the new generations. If you don't understand them, you lose in this market and moving forward. And the problem is some of these state companies that have been in business for many, many years go, oh, I can't change that. We're really good at what we do. And mm-hmm. nobody but younger people don't care. They have their own mentality and the way of thinking, just as other people did in other generations. That's why industry kept changing, why technology kept advancing, because each generation brought their own thoughts to it. This young generation we have today, totally different than anybody from 15, 20 years ago. And I've I've actually spent time just studying them to understand them. Of course, I have younger people children so I can talk to them. And they kind of give me an attitude like, well, they don't feel like doing it that way. Isn't that great? So nobody's following a protocol anymore for business. At least the younger generations are. They have their own concept of how business should run. And if these companies don't adapt to that, they won't have employees. They won't be successful. And more importantly, they won't be able to sell their product or service to the younger generation. Yeah. Well, and, and a lot of times you hear discussions about this younger generation and how they, and I think it's really funny because it's a bunch of people that I grew up with 
who were the younger generation that the older generation were talking about in exactly the same way, and we hated it. And we made sure that whatever they were saying we were doing wrong, we did more of that. And, of course, <laughs> that's exactly how the world works. And people are so surprised. They become another generation, an older, and then they start acting exactly in the same way. The, the thing is, it's not that the millennials haven't had an example. They saw the gold watch thing. That pe- they saw the end of that period. They were born during the end of that period where it really wasn't as exciting as General Motors made it sound that when you – when you retire from this company, you get you know this and this and this, and and uh, they looked around and they saw their families you know uh, reacting poorly to that and and economically not taken care of completely in their retirement years like they were supposed to be or that the story goes, and so it's not like they don't have some ammunition to use when they are saying, I want to do something a different way. They've had experience of the previous generations and believe me, I mean, they don't, they never, there isn't a generation that ever got it right. Who can look down on the next generation saying you should have done it this way because we are totally killing it over here. There's no generation that's ever done that in the history of America. You know, there's always holes that you could poke into every single one. I just don't like that. I love that this one is just totally throwing the baby out with the bathwater completely. And they'll just accidentally get on YouTube and make a multi-million dollar business without having any business experience at all. And it was totally an accident, right? They didn't know what they were doing except that they were just leading completely with the passion that they had for a topic or something like that. And that's one in a million, of course. That's not They're not all out there in armies doing that, but quite a few. And... It's just neat. It's just neat to watch. It's almost like watching a Petri dish of little businesses, uh, you know, in an experiment. And that's all any generation from time to time is anyway, is an experiment. Let's try something new. Let's try something new. And just watching it develop. It's like little, those little seahorses you could order out of the back of the comic books. You just add water right. and just see what happens. <laughs> Absolutely. I am a huge advocate of technology. Um, I actually am a speaker for STEM, which is a science, technology, mm. engineering, and math for high school students. Um, I remember yeah. my daughter being in middle school. I went to school and I worked for AT&T, and I talked about the future of technology. And these kids could not believe that their computers would be in a little handheld device or even an eyepiece, that they would be able to see the world. And this was 20 years ago. And um, Mm. fortunately for me, I lived on the cutting edge of technology working in that industry for many, many years. And I have certifications in everything from security to voice over IP, and I can keep going. And and I was just really involved in the evolution of how we do, how we communicate. And it's so exciting. I'm very excited for the future. I think our children today are learning faster and quicker and mm-hmm. understanding more because they have the world at their fingertips and they're really fighting the racism that's in the world because they can communicate with each other very differently than it was in the past where we were relying on the press and the print and everything else that we had access to. Today they're able to meet friends overseas or speak different languages. We didn't have that growing up. Matter of mm-hmm. fact, I used to tell my children that I grew up without a microwave. Uh, <laughs> the first one we got was huge. It was gigantic, and 
it was really expensive back then because everything was made in America, you know. <laughs> and now yeah. we have we have products coming in from overseas, and it's a lot cheaper labor. And I'm like, what you have today, you take for granted. We didn't have this, you know. We didn't have video games or 150, 250 channels of of um, movies and television. We didn't have all that. And you can even look at it on your phone. How crazy is that? You know, and I'm waiting for the cars that are going to come out that are driving themselves. You know, it's kind of scary. Oh, did you see the better? Did you see, I just saw this and maybe you were already up on this and saw it coming, but I had no idea. There's a new thing by Amazon that is like an Alexa, but it flies around your freaking house like Jetsons. And it's real. It's a, it's a like, it's a, not not like a quadcopter because it's just got one set of blades. But there's a little tiny. It looks like an an Alexa dot on the top, and it flies around your house. And it can take pictures of you. It can you can check in remotely on your phone anywhere in the world, and you can tell it to get up and fly around the house to check around. You know, see, do a perimeter check and stuff. And all kinds of stuff. And I always thought I was being spoofed, like somebody was just trolling me or something, like, or it was the onion. But it's real. And it's yeah, real. but there's a downside. There's a downside to AI, artificial intelligence, which you don't want people to know everything about you. We're losing our privacy factor. And, oh, God. you know, yeah. to have computers in our we're homes. We're not losing it. We're giving it away. In a lot of cases, aren't we just yeah. giving it away willingly? I'm, it's dangerous. It's very dangerous. And, you know, people out there uh, need to understand, and I, I work in digital marketing, that you have to stop wearing your world on your uh, on your phone because you can uh. be robbed. You can have your identity hacked. You can have people even actually target you, and um, there are people that actually <laughs> will um, stalk you. Uh, there are people that are looking to sell you something. You'll be on every list in the world. You'll never get rid of them. We're already getting robocalls on our cell phones, which are killing me. Um, I've been on the National oh, yeah. Do Not Call Registry for years, and I'm still getting phone calls, which, by the way, I will give it to, to your audience if you're getting robocalls, the best thing for you to do is ask them, what company are you representing? And they will hang up on you and never call you again. Because there's a fine with the FCC if you're on a national do not call registry list that they are not allowed to solicit you. And if you ask for their company, they will hang up and take your number off of there. Because they don't want that hefty fine that they're going to get if people if they find out that you they've been soliciting you on your number. And it has become worse every day with these calls. Oh yeah. And letters yeah. and, and emails. And all you have to do is block them. And if you don't know how to block them, learn how because you will be inundated by ridiculous information that's constantly coming at you. And that's why I don't like these things like Lexus or whoever it is, Alexa or whoever it is, Echo and all that other stuff. I'm worried that Google-minded companies will take over your house. I do want a robot that does clean my house. I would love to have that. But I don't <laughs> want somebody to know what I'm doing every minute. It's almost you like want, that You want a robot to show. take out the trash, not to bring in the trash. You got it. That's it. Great, great thought. You know, I, I just <laughs> don't want – I want to keep my privacy. Maybe don't, people don't care anymore. I do. And um, for their safety, they should. 
Yeah. Well, the nice thing is we live in that kind of, well, I don't know if it's nice or not. I'm not going to make any qualifications because I haven't made up my mind how I feel about it all yet. I'm just thinking we're, every day we're getting closer to that Jetsons thing. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing because we never got the previous part right when we were, you know, uh, <laughs> living a little bit more hand-to-mouth technology-wise than we do today. Uh, and so it's like, well, if we couldn't prove ourselves in the previous era, to have mastered that without, you know, destroying the planet, industrialization and everything is still taking a great toll on our very, very limited resources on this planet. And we're moving right on to the next thing, which is like, okay, let's take everything, let's digitize our lives and then just put it all in all these different things. And, uh, and no, you know, we'll have security. It's cool, dude. We'll have security and encryption. Don't you worry about it. And I was like, didn't you say that when you said you wanted to put a giant hog farm right next to my house, I wouldn't smell a thing. You're the same guy. You're the same guy who did that before. Now you're into technology. You're telling me that it's not going to stink when I put all my data out there on the Internet. I don't know. You know how many, I, of, these, how many of these big companies have been hacked? Seriously. I mean, yeah. Experian just got hacked with millions of names and numbers and social security accounts. Seriously, how secure is it? You can have all the firewalls in the world in your technology systems that you have, and yet that can get through it. The banks have been hacked. I don't know about you, but I like my money, and I have to be very cautious. And you should be, as a business person, you should find out what the security parameters are with the bank that you deal with. Ask them. Don't sit there and assume that your money is safe because – there was a crash back in the 20s, and they kept your money. I don't trust anybody anymore. Ask them. Be, be knowledgeable about what you're doing with your money, with your business, and everything else, and that you're in a secure place. Now, remember, nothing's secure, but if it's guaranteed, then you're okay. I'm with a bank that insures my money. That's always a good thing. And if you have a lot of money, put it in several banks. That's the smart yeah. thing to do, Right. Yeah, bury some out back, put some in gold, put it in a lot of different places, period. <laughs> Can't afford gold. Yeah. It's too high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll have to set up a whole new system on making silver the new gold, you know. <laughs> yeah, we've been ignoring silver lately. Let's focus on that. I mean, isn't it funny how uh, how people who, who, who say, oh, man, that's too woo-woo, that's too, you know, wherever you put your energy, it grows. The thing is, hey, dude, you just created Bitcoin. And it's literally nothing. And we put all our energy toward it, and it rose in value? Tell me how that works. And, of course, they have explanations for how it works. And I just sit there tapping my finger going, when are you going to get to the point where this is actually real? And then, and then so can now I talk about this whole thing, about this woo-woo stuff that I like that you call woo-woo? Because you're doing exactly the same thing. You want Bitcoin to be something, and people now have collectively all over the world wanted it so badly that it's gone up to $3,600 per coin. And I'm still sitting here going, how is that possible other than you just want it to be so? And they can't. They they go back to well, it's data mining, and you don't understand because you're not technological, you know. And then they start to try to throw you off the scent. And I'll be there right at the very end of it, going, you still haven't told me, and they still haven't told anybody how cryptocurrency works, like how it really truly works. We just all want it to so bad that it increases in value. <laughs> it's crazy the world we live in. Right. Well, you know, I mean. 
anybody can talk you into anything. It all comes down to marketing strategy. How do they present what they have and to everybody's make you selling. feel right that you're going to be have the best thing with a basic short-term and long-term activity that's going to get you success. And you know, there's so many different strategies out there. Everybody's going, oh, well, we've got to be on the internet. And I remember when I worked for AT&T, we were doing seminars and uh, and live seminars for chambers of commerce. We would go out, and their small businesses, mid-sized businesses, would come to our seminar. We would have a website developer there. We would talk about domains. We would teach people how to get on the Internet. I mean, this is like the very beginning. I mean, a web development professional would charge $50,000 to build a website. And today you can build your own, you know. Um, Back then, they had no clue what a domain was. They said, oh, is that an email address? Even then, they didn't even know what that was either. They didn't know there was mailboxes and there was no such thing as a cloud service, you know, where you keep all your information in the cloud. And they're like, what's a cloud? Well, they, you know, thought, they thought AOL was the Internet, right? Yeah, AOL actually They thought when they, they got on AOL that they were on the Internet. They didn't know they were just on some computers at AOL headquarters. Right, and AOL really was not was buying these services off an Internet provider that were sitting on the Internet backbone. And to this day, most people don't even know what the backbone is. They they think that Al Gore invented it, which he didn't. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's pretty interesting. Actually, I had the pure pleasure of, of being introduced to Vin Cerf, who was one of the creators of the Internet for the government. And um, I was working at MCI, and he was the chief technology officer at that time. He now works for Google. Wow. I believe it's Google. Um, not Amazon, it's Google. He is now a technology officer for them. But he is the person who has built all of these platforms of the Internet, which is really incredible. But, you know, he keeps a very low profile because he's extremely intelligent with the Internet. And you get people like, you know, Jobs and and Bill Gates and people like that who helped develop pieces of the Internet, but they weren't the actual backbone of the Internet. The Internet is like a highway. And, you know, and yet today everybody doesn't understand that. Oh, my Internet's down. Why is that? I can't understand that. Well, it's all based on satellites today because we use satellite technology. Or even with cell phones, there are cell phone towers. And when they get, like in Puerto Rico right now and in Florida with those hurricanes, they knock them down. Those towers are down. Can they communicate with each other? No, because what happens is even though they're communicating over cell phone towers, they still have to go through a central office switching station to get to your to your area. They don't get it. There's a whole thing. <laughs> it's like the electric yeah, grid. Yeah. They need to understand there's pieces to this. It's not going to come up that quick. You need electric. What happens when the electric goes out? There was a show on TV called Revolution, I think it was called, and the electric grid went down. Nobody had electric. They were all killing each other. It was like crazy. Oh, I love I that know. show. That was awesome. I wish Wasn't there was. It? Yeah. I, I thought but, it was the great. Kids today, they what would they do without their phone? They'd probably kill each other. Because they can't See, I use, those, I use those as manuals to guide me in how it's going to be and how to survive when that happens. Because, I mean, nothing humanity's ever done has ever lasted. Nothing, you know, no society, nothing, literally nothing. And we just, like, in this little blip of, of uh, time and space where everything seems to be going well, 
and <laughs> for the most part, and everybody's just believing that this is going to always be this way, which was the downfall of Rome, which was the downfall of Mo in Mongolia. I mean, like everywhere, like the whole history of the world is people, you know, screwing up, and it's like, well, let's build a new civilization out of this. <laughs> well, the Chinese have done quite well staying where they are. They've done very, very well. Um, and and uh, with their dynasties, I, I really yeah. haven't seen anybody take over because they're just they're very. Um, I, have, I have Chinese neighbors; they're very humble people. They they do not they're not extravagant. They truly are very intelligent, and um, I, I don't know. Maybe it's the way they're raised. It's the culture of their of yeah. their world, and our culture here is like. Cowboys, everybody's got something new. They're going to jump on a horse and take off. And sometimes it's good to watch others that are experts to learn from them. And if you have the opportunity, and I've, I've been very fortunate in my lifetime to have mentors in my life. If you can find a mentor, it doesn't matter how many years of experience you have, but if you can find a mentor that can take you to the next level, then you're very, very fortunate, and you will move forward. I truly believe in mentors. I truly believe in people that you can connect with that will get you the resources that you require to move that out of your own sphere of intelligence. And there's a lot of really interesting people out there. I was on a diversity team at Verizon Corporation, and you can look at different people and learn from them because they all bring something special to the table, then you will succeed because you're going to be able to adapt and learn from them and then take it to enhance what you already have. And does that make sense to you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was just, I was just thinking you went back to and reminding me of, there are people doing the work in this world. There are people who are serious about what they do in every industry. They are um, professional. They're seeking help when they need it. They know how to go find a mentor or a consultant. They, you just reminded me of all that because before that, I wanted to ask you if you believe we even deserve the Internet or the technology that we have based on how you see people using it. Because to me, it's almost like that sideshow. I went through Florida one time, and we stopped up right off the side of the road. It was probably what would be illegal now, an exhibit of monkeys and orangutans and stuff like that. And the thing you could stick your face through, and you know, uh, you were an ape, and you take your picture, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And I was, I was fascinated in the fact that it wasn't like the Cincinnati Zoo at all. There were big plastic sheets up over the bars uh, for the ones that like to throw their own poop at you. And big warning signs that said, you know, don't, uh, don't go past this point. He likes to throw, you know, and people would always trick each other. It was disgusting. It was awful. It was like, ew. And, you, and then thinking back on it, I could see those, you know, the, the, the animals were not happy where they were. And I'm thinking, the other day I thought, that's the Internet now. That's Facebook, at least. That's you know, watch out. There, there should be signs, and it's not tr you know monkeys. It's trolls, and they're going to throw their feces at you. And I start thinking, do we even deserve the technology that we have? Because in all the commercials that sold this technology, we lived in a brilliant, bright, beautiful, clean, perfect world. Of course, that's marketing, and you got to take a lot of that with a grain of salt. But it was that was the extreme that it was sold as. 
Then you look around at the internet now, <laughs> as it is, <laughs> and yeah. you, you're stuck with a sideshow animal park in Florida. And you remind me that there is actually something in between those two things, and that's people that you work with and that we deal with that are actually doing the work and really do have businesses that have a lot of – they have a profit motive and a motive for doing good in the world, and there's a lot of good stuff that's happened with it too. But I just had to bring that up because I haven't told anybody that. <laughs> it's sort of like going to confessional because I sometimes feel like that. It's just like, my God, you guys have the power that used to, you know, used to have a whole giant room at IBM in the palm of your hand, and you're doing what you're doing with it. It just kills me sometimes. Yeah. It's, um, you know, you have to be amazed at what has occurred over the past, oh, I'd say 30, 40 years of the transition from a simple life that we led to this world of computerization and intelligence that sharing. And I think that there's a lot of people out there that perhaps may not have evolved as well without those tools. It has worked as uh, to leverage the knowledge of children. I mean, we're looking at two- and three-year-olds playing little games on their videos, Um, the pieces that we bought them for $50, which is, I think is ridiculous, but that's my personal Mm -hmm. opinion. Uh, My children had one of the first computers because I was in the industry, and they had floppy disks, little rabbits running by that they could count. Um, So they Mm -hmm. grew up on computers. Our children today learn from the computer, even in the schools. I thought it was really interesting that they're using, you know, Texas Instruments as opposed to doing longhand mathematics. Um, My son went to a mentally gifted school. He's now at Drexel University in engineering, but he was teaching physics in 12th grade. Um, he, He just was just that so far advanced in knowledge. He was a very different yeah. kid. I mean, the, the school that he went to, they were all mentally gifted. And, you know, that's the opposite of mentally challenged. And these children really could adapt to anything and learn quickly. And now he's doing 3D calculus, which I, I won't even, even attempt to try. Good Lord. But, but as <laughs> far as like that. like 3D chess on Star Trek. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we, we have to embrace the change with our children. But there's also setting standards for our employees and our children because if they don't have guidelines, they'll run rampant and really destroy things as well. And my concern today in the business world is that people are just throwing things against the wall and hoping that they have or that there won't be any problems. There truly has to be a strategic direction for not just in business but in life. And if you don't understand that, then go find someone to give you like a vision board of how to move forward. It's it's just very complicated today. As easy as it is to use the computers and find the pieces that you need or to put your information out there, there's the other downside of it that you may be putting out the wrong information or you're not communicating properly. And that truly will be a sacrifice to your business. And I don't think a lot of people understand that that, you know, you're relying on people that are putting your message out there and maybe they're not relaying it the proper way or perhaps that you're, you're hiring people that really don't care about your business and they'll probably try to, 
take your business away from you. I've seen this happen over and over again. You hire someone, there's no non-disclosure agreement, and they take off with your clients. And what do you do? Mm-hmm. You have no legal document that binds them to you. I mean, again, if I give anyone any advice, it's being very cautious. Make sure you have everything in writing. Make sure that you're getting paid for what you do. And also, make sure that you're working with the right people. Scope them out and find and, and really understand their backgrounds, understand what they can bring to the table, and really understand what your budget is. Because a lot of times people don't even budget for things. I, I know small business owners that don't even have a business or marketing plan. I don't care how small your business is. If you don't have a plan, if it's not in rating, it's not going to happen. Does that make sense mm-hmm. to you? <laughs> yeah, I think that there's a disconnect between the promise. Um, when uh, the, one of the commercials that really stuck with me over the years is that that little company that just started using FedEx, and their website just went up, and they all gathered around the computer monitor, and he hit enter. And that was to signify that he had just launched the website. I've launched thousands of websites, and there's no single point where you just hit enter and it's live and taking orders like it was on the commercial. But, you know, whatever. It's commercial. It's Hollywood, right? So I'm we can laughing, that, so but... I know. <laughs> so, like, so, and then the, and then the orders start coming in. It's a 30-second commercial, so maybe they edited it a little bit. But as soon as he hit the enter button, a couple sales came in, and they got really excited. And they're high-fiving. And then a 1,000 sales came in, and the thing just started turning over. That's another thing that doesn't happen is there's no counter that I've ever installed on a website to count and, and on the front of the website <laughs> count how many sales that were coming in. But, again, Hollywood, you know, whatever. And I think a lot of people were like, I never had any idea how susceptible people who don't, who aren't around technology, who, who – who just look at stuff like that and they just believe it. They just take it hook, line, and sinker, and they're just, that's it. Yeah, that's how the Internet works. There's an inner button, and you can turn your business on, and then the orders come in, and now we need FedEx because we can't handle this huge, uh, you know, demand that we weren't counting on. We weren't Yeah, no, well, you can get, American Express does the same thing. Here, we're going to be your business partner. Sure they are. They're going to take a few dollars out of every dollar you get. But they also yeah. say, we're your consultants. Well, they're not the consultants for the whole business. They might help them on the financial end to get loans and things like that because they'd love to give them money. Uh-huh. But, but the fact is that no business happens overnight. And anybody who believes that is foolish. They need to put their time and commitment and money into it. And in return, if they're lucky, within the first year, they might make it to the second year. They might make it. But you know what I found really interesting? Most people are lazy. They think that the computer is going to run their business, and they don't have to do anything. They can sit back and drink and have a good time and play games, and, wow, guess what? We don't have any money. (laughs) They take their investment money or their loans, and they blow it in the first year. I know one guy, he got $50,000 to build his business. He spent 40000 of it because some idiot told him to spend it all on advertising, which, by the way, he did print advertising, which almost is non-existent at this point. And he blew all the money. He had $10,000 left, and he kept it for himself to go out on weekends. And he wondered <laughs> at the end of the year, 
He had a secured loan. They took away his car. Uh, you know, it, it's <laughs> – hello, people don't just hand you money just to sit there and play games while you think that business is going to happen by itself. The people that are successful – work 24-7 on their business. They can't stop thinking about it. They live in it. They see it. They see the vision behind it. You can't make things happen unless you can really see it happen. And I tell people that. Visualize where you're going to be in six months, in one year. I want to know what your goals are for five years. Give me a five-year plan. When I consult people, I go through all of these, I call them homework, Here's what I'm going to tell you to do. Here's on how you're going to do it. I need you to go do it. When you come back, we're going to go over it. And if it's wrong, you're going to do it again. They don't like me because I'm like their old teacher. <laughs> I'm making them work. And you know what? That's, that wasn't in the commercial. There's just an enter button. You didn't see the commercial. <laughs> I'm not that so you must be wrong because too. American Express wouldn't lie. Yeah, but I'm not that nice coach that charged them you know, $200 an hour and gave them nothing in return. I'm actually showing them how to build their business. You know, people say to me, what do you do? And I'm like, I teach people how to make money. <laughs> you know, and, and they go, what do you mean? I teach people how to make money. <laughs> what else do you need to know? Not how. Yeah. I just want to know why do I say that? Well, what are you in business for? Are you in business just to do something, or are you in business to make a living out of it? If you're not, otherwise, it's not a business; it's just a hobby. There's a lot of right. hobby people out there. Do you want to be a real business person? Then act like a business person and do the work. And um, sometimes you need that person who kicks you every week to make it happen. And um, I'm—it's almost like a diet coach. <laughs> it's like, did you cheat on your diet? Well, then no wonder you didn't lose any weight, right? Yep, and nobody really wants to talk to you. They know they have to, but there are times it's if painful. they don't do their it's thing. It's painful, right? It's painful yeah. to be accountable. How do you like that word, accountable? You need to be accountable to yourself, to your business, to the people that work with you, and make it happen. I always sit there and tell companies out there, what are you waiting for? Nobody's going to hand it to you. You have to make it happen. And that's the quote for the day, make it happen. (laughs) Make it happen, yep. And nothing's going to get in your way. You have to have that level of determination. And if you just can't get out of bed in the morning and ever feel that way, if you feel like you're always pushing yourself to make that feeling happen artificially in some way, then you're not doing the right thing, right? Because it's never going to happen. If it hasn't happened yet and you still get out of bed going, I need to listen to another motivational tape. I need to go, you know, to oh, yeah, make your money Anthony too. Robbins. Yeah, I, I love mean, Anthony like, Robbins. Well, that's... He made money doing what he does. He's not dumb. He set up a plan. Yeah. He put a program together. He said, "I'm going to go out and motivate people, and I'm going to make money off of them." What a great plan yeah. that is. And if you have a plan yeah. for your business, you have to know what it is. You have to live in it, and you have to make it happen. Other than that, you don't have a business. It's it's and we're called business one oh one, you know, without all the extras. And if you don't know how to do accounting, go hire an accountant. If you don't know how to do legal documents, go get a lawyer. Get the people that can help you get your business off the ground and running. Because and then of course you need to stay on top of it. I have six you know, I work with several customers and in addition to that not only do I work with them, but I consult them and on top of that I also have two other businesses. 
And people go, how do you do all of that? How do you do this and, and manage all of that and make sure it gets done? And I said, well, I took a course in time management. I'm able to delegate when I need to delegate. I'm able to use my time effectively. And I actually get eight hours of sleep every night because I need it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, and and see, it's so weird, right? How many people in the time that you've been doing this have come to you just in time, at the right time, where it's the time for them to be asking about accountants and things like that, as opposed to how I, I feel like you probably, because I've never met anybody <laughs> in any other case, that, ha, that people are coming to you frantically. I should have probably done, you look at them and you're like, why didn't you have this done three years ago? Why is this just coming up now? <laughs> like, what's the percentage of people who have ever come to you at the right time in their business to do it the right way from the beginning? I actually have one customer, and, and, and this is an example. She started a business in her kitchen. And her husband was an attorney, so she had all the legal documents. She just didn't know how to market her products or who to market them to and price them. And when I started consulting her, um, she was doing a lot of things that were wasting a lot of time. She was doing a lot of things that were the wrong audience for what she had. She didn't have the type of product that would be mass marketed because she was going to supermarkets, and I said, that's not going to sell there. You can't mass market out of your kitchen. Number two, where's your packaging? How much is that costing? Let's put a price on this. And she had these crazy prices she just put out there. I said, do you understand your market? Do you know what they're charging for the same things? And she said, not really. I said, I need you to go out to the supermarket. I need you to see what, who else is selling this. And, of course, she came back with these high-end brands that were out there um, because they had mass marketing in these stores. And I said, well, you have to understand they have a factory that makes all this, and they do it for pennies on the dollar. You're doing it piecework, and you, don't even, you have four people helping you. And I said, what you have then is a luxury product. Let's take it down to the basics and let's just figure out what we can do with this product. So we did that. She now has a bakery. She ships out all over the country. And she even has her products in the Academy Award bags. She found her niche market. It took her time to build that because she had no clue where to go with it. So when you find somebody that can actually give you some guidance and, and teach you how to understand your competition, find your market, and go from there, that's a different story. I have a company right now asking me for a quote to do a product launch, which is technical, out in the market to six countries in different languages, and they want to launch in 17 days. When you talk about people doing things at the last minute, I'm sitting there going, we're not doing that. Cause if you're going to find somebody to do that in 17 days, then they're not worth a dollar. Because uh -huh. if you're able to launch in six countries, six different languages, <laughs> You can forget it because that's, that's special marketing because every company, every, every country has a different culture. You have to be able to speak to that culture. I said, you know, you we can't can just start it in Google this. Translator? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Oh, man. Yeah. I gotta, I, hold on. I got to call off a whole big launch I got going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we actually are advising them to take one piece at a time, roll it out, you know, and, and also really measure the results before you move into the next country. Because once you find the right formula, then you move on. Otherwise, it's going to cost you thousands of dollars. You're going to waste your money. And um, I refuse to deal with that way. If you want somebody like that, go find somebody else that's going to rob you. Have a good time.
And that's wow. where we left it. And if I don't get the business, I don't really care because I don't want a customer like that. Oh, my God, but don't you love it when you get people who are like, wait, nobody's ever told. See, everybody's been blowing butterflies up my butt this whole time I've been on business, and nobody's ever told me no. Nobody's ever, you know, held back when it looks like I'm getting ready to spend money. They're always yes, yes, yes. And I love being one of the first, if not the first people to say, uh, dude, this is screwed up, and I'm not really sure I want to work with you. And then to get that person as a client to step back is my favorite kind of marketing because it's like, whoa, this person is susceptible, is open to pattern interruptions. And they may be living the dream, which isn't really the dream but a nightmare, uh, but they can, they've shown that they can wake up from that dream, that they can be woken up from that dream. And then it starts to indicate that that might be somebody I would like to work with. When those people call back, it, it's awesome, isn't it? Well, you know, you Sometimes. have to be very selective, and <laughs> you have to be very selective in who you work with. There are other people that get it, or those that don't. I don't waste my time with those that don't, because they tend to be the ones that drive you crazy after a while. They're the ones that nothing is ever good enough. I had a customer like that before, and I, we we had a contract for three months, and after the first month, I said, you know what, what you're asking for doesn't exist. I'll be happy to cancel this contract with you. And he said, well, then I found out he had no money. That's why he didn't want to continue. He was giving me a hard time. So uh, those that, so you have to be leery of everything. Even if they yeah. tell you they have a budget, nine times out of ten, they don't. Okay? Unless you're working yeah. with a company that's very serious. And, and they say to you, this is all I can afford. There's a difference between this is what I have and this is what I can afford. Yeah. So that's that's. Um, I'm, I'm just going to leave it with just be very careful who you do business with, and also make sure you get your money, or you have the 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 means to get your money with a contract, because and even then you have to run after people. I don't usually run after people. I usually get my money up front, and I, I'm yeah. able to do that in certain yeah. circumstances. But I got to tell you that there's too many people out there that have big wish lists and have no. They have beer pockets. How's that? They just don't have yeah. the money for it, but they have great wish lists. And they think everybody wants to work for free. Right. <laughs> it's really right. funny. I usually laugh at them, but that's okay. I'm sitting there going, well, you know what? Is your stuff free? Because if it is, then I can work with you. But if it isn't free, then I can't be free. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I we. I just realized we're right at the top of the hour, and people need to know where to get to your radio shows and your website or one central location maybe that takes care of it all. But how can people find out more about you? Well, there's two things they can do. They can go to our website at aziaenterprises.com or quint, Q-U-I-N-T, brands.com, which is our international division. And the radio shows usually are on, if you go to LinkedIn and find me, you can follow me under phyllissmith.9026. Nice. Perfect. Phyllis, thank you so much. Gina was right. I had a blast today. I always do when Gina says you're going to love this guest, and I certainly love talking to you. Thanks so much for coming on Leverage Masters today. Thank you. Have a great day. Tune in next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook on our Leverage Blackbook page to keep up with the latest. We'll see you next time on Leverage Masters.